like that album. I, that song, I mean, when you're at the gym, I don't know how many RPMs it is per minute, but fuck, that song is. <laughs> oh, no, for lifting, dude, the Urban Assault remix. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Are we ready? <laughs> We're ready. All right. Oh, sorry. I just thought I didn't. All right, here we go. <laughs> it can be fixed in post. It can be fixed in post. Fuck it. We'll do it live. We're not All fixing right, anything. Screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite set. <laughs> I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you. This is my boomstick. What's your favorite scary movie? All right. Good evening and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. I am your host, David, and with me, as usual, is Neri. Howdy. And Daniel. What up, y'all? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why this seems silly today, but... Uh, <laughs> But it does. It does. And uh, so I, I noticed, I don't know if it was last time, maybe the time before, but Daniel, you change your glasses like every episode. Yeah. 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 I try to. Oh, okay. I've never noticed this until I commented on the glasses last time. And you were like, oh, yeah, no, I found them in there. So um, that was my impression of you. So um, <laughs> for for those of you that have only been listening to these episodes, you got you got to watch live to see what Daniel is going to be wearing next week, because it's um, I don't know. I'm, I'm predicting a red pair of glasses next week. See what happens. Yeah. I mean, I would have predicted that for this episode, but no. white like the snow, my friend. Um, okay. Yeah. OK. I, I Rum red. Maybe. <laughs> uh, so this this episode, uh, we are going into one of my absolute favorite horror movies of all time. Um, I'm not sure how, how everyone else feels about this one, but this was Neri's pick. Uh, so last episode, you know, previously on Shiver, uh, Neri instituted a picker. Uh, like a like a wheel, uh, a wheel of chance, uh, a wheel of death, if you will, right? And wheel of horror. Um, I felt that was you know lo low hanging fruit. I wanted to go a little bit more extreme. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, by definition, it's a wheel of horror, but um, um, I don't know. We wheel of um, wheel of alpine murder, and. Um, at least in this case, it was. So uh, it, the, the the wheel, the, the chance, the fates chose classic and Neri's classic of choice was The Shining. Now, uh, Daniel, do you know how many times you've seen The Shining? Uh, I do not know how many times I've seen The Shining. It is a lot. I would, I mean, uh, like all things considered for a movie that's two and a half hours long, I, I'd probably say between 12 and 15 times. Yeah, um, I don't think I've seen it quite that many times, but I've seen it quite quite a few times. Um, and uh, and and this time, I started looking out for stuff that I hadn't really looked out for before, because I had seen a uh, a documentary fairly recently called Room Two Thirty Seven. Yes, sir, I love that documentary. 
Yeah, and a lot of. Yeah, I wish you would have told me about it. I wish I, I really wanted. I was like trying to look for stuff after I finished the movie today. It's for the. Oh first, man, I watched it for the first time today. Oh, yeah, Neri, movie. you know how many times you've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it exactly <laughs> once, uh, and I wanted to like do more research on it because there was a lot of questions. So I wanted to do like more. I watched the the making of uh, uh -huh. things on, and those were not helpful. Um, so, <laughs> it, was, it was like a bullshit, like a uh, handheld camera of like how they got specific shots. That's not making of, but whatever. Okay, I wanted a uh, you know. More... You 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 want to dive into like the neo really the real nitty gritty. Well, like I wanted to like dive into like the you know like I guess that's not a thing that they used to do in the seventies, right? This movie came out in nineteen eighty, so mm -hmm. a filming in nineteen seventy nine, presumably. Uh, and that's not really, I guess that's not a thing that they used to do. Like as far as like, uh, you know, there were, there were no DVDs, so there wasn't to make DVD specials. There were no, like, you know, nowadays you make a movie and they're going to have uh, like making of, or how they put right. the movie together. And they're going to talk about the producer's, uh, journey and all this, but I wanted that kind of, but well, and the fact that that doesn't exist is why the documentary room 237 does exist because yeah. all of that is left to speculation right. because all we got was jack nicholson brushing his teeth so uh he, didn't, he brushed the hell out of his teeth though every day every day and mark that off my well, list you're, you're, of talking you're, points you're, you're supposed to no so. but he's, he and did you see that did you see what i'm talking about the behind the scenes from the i mean i want to say dvd but it's we have a digital version of it uh on mm -hmm. itunes and the the making of behind the scenes is literally he says he brushes his teeth every time he goes out to make a scene Oh really? Yeah. So um, every time he goes to wow. every time he goes to shoot a scene, he brushes his teeth ahead of time, and then he makes a joke about like they're That's never polite of him. That. Yeah, they're never gonna say that that I have bad brother like something. He makes a joke about it, but well, I think it was uh, Clark Gable back in the uh, the 30s and 40s and so on. Um, he had um, I think it was gingivitis or something like that, and um, and so. Maybe it was I, I don't know, uh, but it, he had he had this horrible, terrible breath, yeah. and uh, and everyone who had to do a scene with him said that it was just absolutely terrible. Uh, you know, a, a strict diet of vodka, coffee, and cigarettes will do that to you. <laughs> Breakfast of champions. <laughs> Frankly, darling, I don't give a damn um, about my breath. About my breath, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the. As as we've done with uh, with all the other picks, um, I, I want to kind of gauge how we all think of this movie. This movie, um, very similarly to Rosemary's Baby, is uh, widely considered one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Um, I mean, you you throw a dart at at Stanley Kubrick's uh, film catalog. And and you, you hit something that people refer to as a masterpiece. So or or you hit a nipple if you just happen to <laughs> nail it right on eyes wide shut. <laughs> That's true. There's there's a lot of nipples there. In all fairness, he made like seven movies. <laughs> it wasn't like he had seventy five movies and they're all. <laughs> yeah, but for all of them to hit, I mean, at that point, when one misses, you're talking about a high percentage that ain't yeah. that good, you know. So, um, you know, this this is, um, you know, arguably cited as one of the most influential horror movies of all time. Um, do you think this reputation is deserved? 
Who are you asking for? <laughs> well, we, we usually start with you, Neri. I think you should skip me on this one. I think you should go with uh, <laughs> I think you should start with there. All right, so we'll, we'll we'll have a we'll have a sandwich of uh, of, of ideas going on here. Uh, I I honestly I I do this uh, this is a movie that one of the reasons I've seen it so many times is it it took me a little while to come to grips with this movie. The couple of gripes that I do have that I'll get to as we go on. Uh, a couple of things that, that I didn't like about it initially. A couple of things I still don't like. But as far as so a, a lot of the things they do with tension building and um, just underselling everything, right? Uh, it's it's uh, it, we talked. It's a movie where not a lot happens, and yet you still manage to be tense and and scared the whole time. Um, I, I've I see a lot of people listed as yeah, like the greatest horror movie of all time. I, I disagree with that. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, in the in the grand pantheon of horror films, it's a it is definitely a top tier movie. OK. There yeah, I, um, I, I, I miss Rosemary's Baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I this, this movie is one of the most uh, again, I'm watching it for the very first time in 2021. So I'm watching it. I'm trying very hard to look at it from the perspective of like, oh, 30, you know, 40 years ago and stuff like that. And keep saying 30 for some reason but i was born in 81 i'm like nope not 30 anymore <laughs> uh, um, but uh honestly this this might be one of the most overrated movies i've ever seen in my life uh it, it just didn't it didn't scare me um i was scared when i was texting you guys i'm like oh shit this is really scary it, i i noticed immediately and something we'll talk about later on uh, i know in, from the show notes uh, but the reason, the best part and the and the reason why i was tense in the beginning of the movie was that score yeah and and then uh and then after that in the scenes where the score wasn't there i was like this is this is not scary this is not a horror movie i i don't i don't understand why it's classified as a horror movie um uh there's horror elements of of course but um yeah i i found this movie it's confusing i i found it i was like what the fuck does this mean what does that mean they don't explain there's a lot of like scenes that just pop up and you go wait what the fuck is that like how did what is this ballroom full of skeletons? Like I don't get what what's happening. Why is she able to see this? I'm sorry. Did she just interrupt a fairy convention? Like a furry convention? Like is there two guys blowing each other in furry costumes? Yes. What what's the deal with that? Nothing. It, it's like it's in there for no fucking reason other than to be like Stanley Kubrick fucking found the furry uh part. Like that, I don't understand. So I, there's a lot to be. Um, I think the acting is very well done. I'll leave it at that. I don't think it. Okay. I don't think this movie uh, garners a reputation that it's got, that it has. I don't think it's warranted. But uh, I know that I'm on a lonely island there, and that's fine. Um, I don't think you're in in an island all on your own. Um, I think Stanley Kubrick is one of those guys where um, you either love his work or you hate his work. There's no middle ground when it comes to Kubrick, and. Yeah. Yes, and, and, I, and and anyone, to... sorry. Any, sorry. A, anyone who claims that they understand Kubrick is also a liar, right? Uh, which is which is why his movies, um, sort of like beg to be rewatched over and over and over again, and and analyzed and overanalyzed, and and you you look at them the way you would look at um, a painting in uh, in a museum. I, look, uh, I like there's there's there are Stanley Kubrick movies that I really enjoy. 
uh, Full Metal Jacket. Uh, you know what I mean? There's like a lot, there's some Stanley Cooper movies that I really, really enjoy. And uh, I'm not saying I did. I'm not even saying I didn't enjoy this movie. I'm just saying it wasn't the hype of like you know one of the scariest movies of all time, and you know one of the like it's like we talked about before. It's highly noted as one of the best among a lot of people. One of the best horror movies of all time, and I I don't see. You know, Rosemary's uh, you... Baby did like what you were talking about the tension building and that like Rosemary's <laughs> Baby did that to me. And I highly, I want to go ahead and change my 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 ranking, my voting for Rosemary's Baby, and go with four stars or four milk. Uh, oh wow! We've, wow, we've, okay. We've, we've never yeah. had this before. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So watching this movie made me appreciate <laughs> Rosemary's Baby. That I mean, you know what? I was too harsh. You know, you called harsh. <laughs> you called a lonely island, but you know somebody that's on that island with you is Stephen King. Oh, okay. For uh, for for obvious reasons, right? Um, and and I I I I have kind of um like a mixed feelings uh, about Stephen King. He is uh, to me uh, one of the great storytellers. Uh, however, I don't know that his execution is great. Uh, I think that he tries to do so much. And and there's there's so much like there's there's no one to tame Stephen King. Yeah, like uh, and my- say okay, okay, hang on a second, pull this back. Let's focus on these couple aspects right here. And and what you've got is a nice tight horror story, which is why I think Carrie is his best work, his best work. Oh, not, his, not the not the best movie. Are we talking about? On- are we talking about like just a horror aspect? Because Shawshank and that's <laughs> pretty pretty balls on amazing okay all right okay but but, yeah horror horror, horror, horror. okay yeah okay yeah um you know there's he he tends to introduce so many like weird elements that then later what what did it do for the story yeah like by the sixth and seventh of the of the dark tower it went from like a novella to i mean it's it's this I'm, i'm reading the stand again right so uh and the the same thing with it you know uh it is one of those those books where i think there's there's so much in it that doesn't need to be in it what you've got is a great story with a lot of stuff and and i think that uh these uh like visionary movie makers like brian de palma like stanley kubrick come around and and turn these stories into um even if they bastardize them they cannibalize that 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 script into into something else they're exploring something that both is and isn't what king intended so when when your work becomes something other than what you intended i understand why you you feel that way uh, I wonder, does it, do you, as, I don't know, because uh, does anybody know what Stephen King's thoughts are on the scene from Ready Player One? Because that scene scared the fuck out of me and I'm watching Ready Player One. So mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm curious to know if Stephen King, who was apparently, I'm just learning now, not a fan of what Kubrick did, was he also not a fan of what uh, Spielberg did, or was he, or was he like, oh, finally, this is what I meant? Because there's a stark difference between, yeah, what Spielberg did just in that one scene, and again, taken out of context, whatever. But within the movie itself, it, it, I felt that was very different. Like those, 
I, I'm, I, I'm, I would be excited to watch a remake of The Shining directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, there's a there's a miniseries with Steven Weber. It's pretty good. Well, just because it's a Steven is what you're saying. Just <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, I don't have a Spielberg for you, but I have. A Weber. Yeah, I got I, that, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, I mean, I, I got a Steven Weber for you. That's. Uh, oh, you what you 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 want it? You want a Stephen King? Ah, best I can do is Stephen Weber. So, <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, up, Andy? Have, Andy's in, Andy's watching. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Andy's back in as uh, as usual. So, thank you, man. He says uh, this movie is drive by pure insanity, and all the fucked up scenes are done amazingly well by Kubrick to try to get the audience into the psychological makeup of a madman. And then he also says King's best book adaptation is Shawshank Redemption. Um, I, I can't I can't necessarily disagree with that. Green Mile is also really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think that when it comes to um, to King on film, one of the things that I think um, gets closest to what he wanted to see on film Um is and forget maximum overdrive wow. <laughs> that's that's just uh, that's uh that's an ab- <laughs> that, that's an abortion on film uh um, he says it though he hates yeah. that movie. he said that that movie was basically a cocaine film driven uh production where he's just like he was like high on coke the whole fucking time yeah uh if anyone has ever seen creep show which was directed by uh george romero and was written by romero and stephen king as kind of a throwback to those old 1950s and 60s horror comics that they uh, that they both loved so much, uh, that is is very much a, a a Stephen King like a product of King's uh, mind, and he actually stars in one of the the segments of it, and it's pretty cool. So, um, to get back to The Shining, I I love this movie, and it was one that. Uh, took time for me to get to, but just like pretty much all of Kubrick's movies, it took time for me to to appreciate it. There was something that drew me to it. I wasn't sure if I liked it, uh, but there was a desire to keep going back to it. And the more I watched it, the more confused I became about certain things, the more other things seemed to make more sense to me. And the more it became something that I felt I needed to continue watching. Um, can, it, I, can I ask you a question, Dave? Yeah. Because you're a big fan of like classic movies in general, mm-hmm. right? Like all, you know, uh, and there's a lot of movies that are like classified as iconic or classic or like, oh, whatever. Uh, is there any movie that that we are supposed to like, quote unquote, that you don't like? Gone with the Wind. I th- okay. I th- I think it's about. I knew I know that you and I had. Well, I have more of a hate for that movie than you do. But uh, yeah. But you were like, it's not. It's bad. But it's uh, like. Yeah, I I don't I don't hate Gone with the Wind, oh. but I think it's it's status as um like one of the greatest movies of all time, is not deserved. I think it's about two hours too long, and um. I think it's like four hours too long. <laughs> <laughs> but the movie's only three minutes, three hours and thirty minutes. I know. Uh, no, but I, all I, that time I, was, I spent I was, just staring into the void when it was done. I can never have that back either. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but no, I, I'm curious to know because I'm curious to see because I know that I, I'm I'm trying to get into the psyche of somebody watching this movie, not liking it, and going like, "I gotta watch it again." 
and I'm trying to see if it's one of those things where like, no, I have to like it because everybody says I like it. And we're doing this all subconsciously. This is never a conscious yeah. thing. Nobody, right. Nobody's that much of a fucking pretentious douche to be like, no, I'm supposed to like this. So let me go watch it again. Well, like, like I'm remember. Saying, I'm wondering if that's what's happening. Remember on uh, Geek More when we did survival movies and I mentioned Children of Men and you just, you listened to me talk about it and you're like, I hated that movie, but I need to give it another shot. That's what happened to me with The Shining. It wasn't necessarily like that it was, it was just like, I was supposed to like it. So I watched it until I forced myself to, it was just like, people would talk about it. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't get that. Like I, I that, that's not what I got from it. So it wasn't about right. like fulfilling this need to like it as a classic. It was about coming to uh, terms with what it was and what it was trying to do and appreciating that. I, I remember texting Jeff at one point while I was watching it. And I said, I'm watching uh, for the first time watching uh, the shining. And I said, I'm really confused as to what's going on right now, but I'm assuming it's going to get cleared up uh, later on. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah. Okay. He said, his words were, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Like, I, I was like, I don't know what that means, but he did, I, you know, so, but. It's, it's kind of something, and this is one of the reasons why I rank Stanley Kubrick so high on my list of directors, even though, like you said, Neri, I think he directed a total of like 12 movies in his, his entire career, uh, which was a considerable career. I mean, he started directing in, in the 50s, I think. So um, his – there's – there's something about his movies where even when you don't understand, when you're utterly confused, at least to me, there's a, there's a sense that there's something I'm not quite getting, but it's there. There's subtext. Uh, there's symbolism I'm not getting. I think he approaches film as an artist um, as, as opposed to a filmmaker. And I think a lot of that goes back to the fact that he got his start as a photographer. He was a big time photographer in New York in uh, in the 50s. And people were kind of like uh, a lot of these film studios were trying to get him to come in and make these movies. And he started off making anti-war movies in in the, in the late 50s. No, he's, an he's anti-war. <laughs> you, you want to talk about that because i know that's a section coming up do you want to get into that now the fact that he's a, like the, the cinematography the photography of it because you know what we we can get to that yeah we can we can skip ahead uh well, i mean it's just you, we rolled into it quite nicely yeah yeah I, I i think that felt natural there uh andy says did you like dr sleep i absolutely loved I, dr. Sleep. I adored dr sleep i thought i thought it was incredible i um i get to it I, Neri, I think you would really like Oh, no, I'm, and I just, I didn't want to watch it because I didn't want to, because I knew the review was today, that this, mm -hmm. this podcast was today, and I didn't want to give my review of one movie with that, I guess, right. tainted is the wrong word, but I didn't want it to bleed into, like, right. you know what I mean? So I wanted to give my true opinion about this movie, but I, I, I wanted I wanted to watch it. It was actually, it's actually on my list of, of uh, picker, when we do the picker it's, it's one of, in one of the categories, it's, it's in there, um, but I, I I haven't done it yet. Um, Bert would like it more than The Shining. I'm sure Bert would. I'm, I, I think uh, <laughs> I think you're Bert? No, no, it's Bert. Uh, is that, is, is Ernie, that an autocorrect? Ernie hated it, but Bert... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Bert and Neary. That's right. I remember. I remember that spinoff. Yeah, Bert and Neary. Uh, <laughs> the, the two homosexual puppets on Sesame Street. Bert and Neary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I'm sure I would. Like, I'm, I guess, uh, you know, whatever. I'm just, uh, I like the cinematography of this. I like the big sweeping shots. Like, it's a, that opening sequence was oh. very, very daunting. It's, uh, oh, yeah. It might be my favorite part of the movie. And I'm, that's not a diss on the rest of the movie. That's really, no, it's it, gorgeous. It's, a, it's an impressive, gorgeous, the mountains, and it's all one shot, or at least it feels like one shot. If it's not one shot, God bless him. I don't know uh, how he did that in the in the fucking in seventies, uh, seventy nine. I'm assuming, uh, but um, it, it it was gorgeous, and that music, fuck, dude. It, it I mean, it just it was perfect. It was perfect, and a lot of these shots, I feel like that. I like I didn't know that about Stanley Kubrick until you told us, but I feel like he is. He, I feel like. From this movie alone, like because again, there's other movies that I like of his, um, but I feel like he's a better for, or he was a better photographer than he was a filmmaker. Because I mean, the stories that he was telling with just the pictures, just the the scenery was was beautiful. Uh, but then there's some things that he did that I was like, I don't get what he's doing. He he uses a lot of slow dissolves in in that opening. Uh, mm-hmm. which which almost make it seem like it's one shot because one is kind of morphing into the other mm-hmm. um and slow dissolves are usually only um like you know, space frame, balls. Uh, <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> they're 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 only a couple of frames but he kind of really stretches that out so that it it, it lasts for like 10 frames and um and it it, it gives you this really weird sensation when when you're watching it well, and and it it starts so well with with that with that being said, it, it makes it makes even the scenery and, and this this trip through the mountains feel weird, which lends itself to the rest of the movie. Where um, a, a huge part of this movie is the fact that you're never comfortable with the overlook, and not just mm-hmm. in the fact that it's it's haunted and it's alive or whatever. You're never comfortable with the overlook because every time you think you have a grasp of where you are in the overlook in in uh, correlation to something else, you're not. It, it, when when you watch this, it's you you get this feeling that the the overlook is always one step ahead. And part of what it does to keep you on your toes is that it is constantly changing and it and, and it's it's minor it's small but but nothing is ever quite where it seems to be which is one of the areas where i think that that i didn't when i was younger and i watched it i, I didn't notice that and now when i watch it i'm looking at these things and i'm like that wait you know like uh when when danny's on the big wheel and and he's taking some turns like okay yeah i know where he is and, and then all of a sudden he turns and i'm like wait that ho- that hallway shouldn't how be there. How did he get there? Right. Yeah. Like that hallway should not be there. He shouldn't have been able to make two lefts and be there. Like that, that should be a different part of the hotel. Um, the the hedge maze, when um when you see the picture of the of the hedge maze that's on the front, it does not look anything like the overhead shot of the hedge maze. So that that leaves you wondering, like, does the is the hedge maze and the the overlook are these things that are changing so that uh, well, one, you know, in the in the context of the movie, they're always changing so that you're never comfortable because it's a living, breathing thing. But as, as from the directorial standpoint, he does those things and it leaves you on edge because you're never allowed to be comfortable. You're never allowed to feel familiar with the overlook. Every time you reach that point, something changes. And that's that's something that it, the, the tone is very much set for that in those weird, slow dissolves that make you even uncomfortable with just beautiful mountain scenery. It, it feels awkward. You, you can't put your finger on just why it feels awkward, but it, it feels like something is just this much off. 
uh, one of those things, um, but there's, there's two particular instances where uh, I couldn't quite put my finger on it the first time I saw it. And, um, but it, it, it did have that sort of like, okay, something's off. Uh, the first thing is in Ullman's office. The impossible window. The impossible window, right? There's, there's this bright, bright window, right? With, with some, with some, you know, trees or bushes or whatever it is just, just behind it. Right. And, and the, the sunlight is so blinding, right? Except that when you look at the layout of the hotel, it's an elevator shaft that should be right behind it. So how is there this window with all this light and and this this foliage behind it, right? The one that to me I always was like, okay, that shouldn't be happening, and I caught it the very first time I saw it was the conversation that Jack has with Grady in the bathroom. Uh, Grady spills the uh, the drink on him, right, and uh, in the gold room, and then they walk towards the bathroom you see the way that they open the door to the bathroom and the way that they turn into the bathroom. And then there's another cut so that you're watching from the inside of the bathroom and you see them round the corner and come in the way that all of that action takes place because it's very carefully choreographed. They should be standing back in the gold room. Yes. It's, it's impossible for them to be anywhere else other than in the gold room. So they've made this like big loop around except that now they're inhabiting the space of this bathroom. So nothing it's, it's like, um, God damn it. Now I'm going to go watch this shit. Yeah. The, I yeah. Mean, the, yes. The see, and this is what I'm talking about because yeah, yeah. when I first watched it, I was like, yo, I was like, I don't get it. But then when people start pointing these things out to me and you start yeah, noticing it becomes more better. unnerving. That's not going to make the movie better. It's going to make <laughs> it more interesting. It will make the movie interesting. Like, Oh, like, oh, okay. I didn't see that before, but it's not going to change the plot or the lack of explanation as to what's happening. <laughs> I'm, not change that. I'm not being, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just saying, no, fair enough. I'm going to go walk. I'm going to go back and watch this to see what you're talking about. Like, Oh, okay. I didn't catch that. That, but it's not going to change my opinion of the movie. It's just going to go like, oh, that's something that I didn't notice before. You know what I mean? It's like it's like the equivalent of an Easter egg in a Marvel movie. It doesn't change the Marvel movie. It just changes like, oh, Captain America's shield is an Iron Man. That's cool. It doesn't mean <laughs> it just means like, oh, I caught that Easter egg. Fair what enough. I did, what I what I like that whole Grady part. It was very trippy. I liked. I enjoyed those scenes. I enjoyed the scenes with the bartender. Lloyd. Um, Lloyd. Uh, Lloyd and I love the fact that he put his head down there was nothing in, there was nothing to drink there was nothing no alcohol we're told in the beginning of the movie that there's not going to be any alcohol and then he sees the bar completely empty puts his head down lifts back up and there's Lloyd there's a full bar and in my mind I'm like oh this guy's fucking going crazy like he's like he's already right. he's already like imagining all this and and I, I found that all interesting that was probably my favorite part of the movie that like whole conversation and then when he comes back and there's a party and he goes oh i know you you're you were in charge of the of the hotel and he's like yeah i, I got a wife and two kids he's like but i wasn't like that I yeah, found, you you were always the caretaker yeah i i found mm-hmm. that whole thing super interesting and, and then it left me and then it took me nowhere it was like well no that's that's not exactly true because when he tells him you've always been the caretaker And then the very last shot of the movie is of him in a picture from 1921. Right. Um, There's, there's this feeling that 
time, space, uh, it doesn't work the way that we understand it to work in the Overlook. Well, I mean, he said it. He said it to to his wife. He was like, I felt like the first time I came here, every time I took a turn, I knew exactly what was going to be around that corner. Mm -hmm. Like, all of that I find fascinating, but it doesn't give an explanation. And I joked with Jeff about, like, I like the fact that in the 80s, everything could be, in the 70s and 80s, everything could be explained away with uh, built on an Indian burial ground. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's one of those, like, all right. Like, white people were so, like, scared of, of Native Americans that they were like, Oh, Indian Baragon, you don't want to put that. That's crazy. That's well, cool. that that you is take your babies. That that is one of the major themes. Um, if if you if you read what a, a lot of what has been written by uh, uh, film critics and scholars and stuff like that about this movie, um, the genocide of Native Americans is one of the major themes throughout. Um, Going back to uh, like almost almost the very beginning of the movie, when uh, what uh, what's his name? Um, Scatman Carruthers. Um, what's his character's name? Oh shit! I knew it until you asked. <laughs> uh, I think it was Willie. Dick Dick Halloran. Um, <laughs> Willie. <laughs> brown, brown people, Willie. <laughs> You've got the shit in. You got the shit in. You want to get sued, do you? Uh, <laughs> uh, I kept thinking about when I saw him coming. I was like, he's got the shit in. Uh, uh, and Andy says, as Danny's riding his big wheel, the sound the big wheel makes from the wood to carpet is just as hypnotizing as following the turns that he makes in the hallways. Yes, I, I, yeah. that too. I did catch that too. I liked. Uh, I was like, oh, it's, I was thinking, how did they make that? Did they? I, they had to put that in post. Like I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm already. Thinking, but it was, yeah, I caught that. It was a those uh, from uh, from a filmmaking standpoint. So not talking like um, you know critical you know analysis or anything like that. Um, the handycam had just been invented, and I mean just been invented. And Kubrick knew the guy who had invented the uh, the the Steadicam system, so he actually asked that guy to operate Steadicam. So the those shots where you've got this like seamless following of of, of Danny's big wheel or in the maze, right? Uh, when we first see. Uh, see Danny and Wendy going through the maze, and uh, and they cross right right through, you know where where they had been before, and there's no rail, you know for you know or, or track for this uh, for this this camera rig. People were like going bonkers, like how did they do this shot? Right? Did, had they never seen Rocky? <laughs> That's what he, the the steady cam was first used in the movie Rocky. That's why he was able to run. And when they did the running in the, all the running scenes of his training, the steady that guy was running with the steady cam, and Stallone always says, "I give him all the credit in the world because he would he had to run sideways holding the, the camera, and he ran as he ran as fast as Stallone did regular. He ran sideways. He was wow. To, and then uh. that's how they did that tracking thing, where there was no rails. It wasn't from a car. It wasn't from a. It was literally somebody the guy the invented the steady cam running next to Stallone the entire time." And that's why you, when you see the steps, you don't, it, you don't, you don't see any. It doesn't do any right, steps. Yeah. With them. So I, I, I was, 
impressed with the thing. I, I agree with you. The thing in the signing, I, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, but I didn't stop to think. Like, I'm not, you know, thinking on a technical aspect, but it was, those scenes were nice. I like, there's a lot of things yeah. I like about this movie. Um, So I was saying with, uh, with Dick and Danny at the very beginning of the movie, uh, when he's first talking to him uh, about the shine, all right, about the shining, <clears throat> There's there's a can of uh, of baking soda behind him, and the the baking soda is of a brand called Calumet, which is what the I think it was the 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 Navajo uh, Indians referred to as a peace pipe, and and so there's this like symbolism there of of like a peace treaty, right? There's this peace treaty between the family and 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 the hotel. And the next time that we see those Calumet baking soda cans is in that like upside down shot of Jack when he's been uh, trapped inside of the pantry. Mm -hmm. And and there's like a whole bunch of them. Yeah, like big ones. Big ones, yeah, but they're all turned in different ways and you can't read Calumet perfectly anymore because that, that peace treaty's been broken, right? He's assaulted his family. He's trying to kill them now. So, um, like, there's there's things like that in there. The blood from the elevators, right? Elevator shafts, you got to dig deep down into, into, the, into the foundation so that you can have space for these engines and these motors, right? Um, and that's where the blood is coming up from. Right. If this is an Indian burial ground, right, that blood is coming from from the 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 bones, the the where these Indians have been laid to rest. Right. Um, Native and that's Native Americans, <laughs> American Indians, American Indians, Amer Amer American Indians. Yeah. Um, Can I so just that say that the racism from the the waiter really threw me off like oh, it, really, yeah. it, it comes out of nowhere doesn't oh, it it's like it's like hard nowhere he's like the most like polite like you know what i mean not british but like the most polite like he formal, was he was british yeah, yeah classy and all of a sudden he threw that hard er in there and i was like whoa <laughs> And, and Jack, mean, and Jack knows it right back at him too. Yeah, Jack yeah, is like, mm. yeah. Jack is all too happy to join in. Like, finally, my <laughs> I can I can see the ER around you. That's so great. It threw me for a hard left turn. Again, watching it twenty twenty one. You know, I, I, even though I'm a stand up comedian, like there's still like some things that are like I see through PC glasses, and I was like, Whoa. I was like, my dear good sir. <laughs> I would have none of that talk here. I was like, "Holy shit, you threw me off, man!" Do you know who that guy is? Racist? A, a great. Well, yes. <laughs> I didn't say what that guy is. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. He, uh, he's Sergeant uh, Bloomberg from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh, I haven't seen that movie in God. I mean, I yeah. And, and every time I watch it, I'm like, Captain Bloomberg saw you. Is Captain him. Bloomberg a Nazi? Uh, you'd think so. <laughs> he's, maybe he's, he's all too familiar. Maybe he's all too comfortable with these roles, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one uh, one thing while while we're talking directing and, and acting and just this general thing, the one thing about this movie that that's been a gripe for me since the very first time I saw it and watching it now again is and will always forever be a gripe I have is that Shelley Duvall is so awful. 
as an actress that apparently Jack Nicholson decided he needed to whatever, like, like if she was only acting like 40%, then he had to act 160%. Right. <laughs> so it's like, like there's this, there's this odd balance struck between him, like way overacting, like just way too much. Like there, there are just scenes where I get it. It's supposed to be delving into the mind of a madman, but there, there are just scenes where it's like, dude, you, you're, you're, you're going too hard. Like even for Jack Nicholson, like you're, you're, you're going too hard. I, but I, then, Three. I thought it was. I thought I was like, oh, okay. Like it was one of those. I liked the over the top. In fact, I didn't even see it as over the top. It drove the point home to me that he was losing his. But it, but it starts. I, but it starts. With Neri there. It, it. I feel like it. It starts real early. But it, but then the contrast is Shelley Duvall running through the hallways like oh, this. No, oh my god! Oh. Like this right here as she's like but running. Okay, so I thought about this, right? Holding I was the knife is so bad. She was holding the bat. It was like, I was just like, it was Oh dude, just, I laugh so hard every time but, she swings that bat. But here's the thing that gets here's So I was thinking to myself the same thing. I was like the way she's running, the way she's holding the bat. And then I thought to myself, Mary, she is a 1970s housewife. Mm-hmm. She, this, you know what I mean? In this day and age, there were no fit chicks. There was no Sarah Connor. There were no, there were no like uh women back then were not allowed to know how to swing a bat. They were not allowed, you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't like um like it, like nowadays, I, I feel as if it was if that movie was made nowadays, you would have a woman who's in shape, who knows how to run, you know what I mean? You I, I feel as if that I thought about this. I saw her running, I laughed, I thought I saw her swing the bat. I was like, that doesn't even look like it would hurt. Uh <laughs> The way she swung the knife, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? But then I re- I thought to myself, this is a woman who's never needed to do any of those things. Like, why would yeah. she know how to run? Why would she know how to fucking swing a, a baseball bat? Like, why would she know? Like, all right, you put the right over the left and put it over your shoulder, lift your elbow up. She <laughs> wouldn't know any of that shit. Like, that's not something <laughs> yeah, that she uh, would know. Maybe that's what it is. But, man, it's but just. It does it, look ridiculous. It, it does it's look just, It's always just driven me crazy. Like, just like this. I, I think that one of the things that this to sing the praises to Stanley Kubrick in this movie is, is it's like, the, it, it's, it's, it's almost like um, what's the movie with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy trading places, right? Like it's almost like the thing where like Stanley Kubrick made like a $2 bet with somebody where he's like, watch me get this guy who's known to do way too much when he acts and pair him with this chick that nobody knows anything about. And I don't think has even heard of acting and I'm going to make a goddamn masterpiece. You know what? Uh, I, 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 I got to disagree, man. I mean, I, is think she, bet, she, I think his bet was more like, I bet you I can make her swing a bat and her look stupid as fuck. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> because as a director, you could just take her aside and be like, this is the way you swing a bat. But he did it. He fucking did it. He let her ride, man. He like, and he, he was like, no, keep doing that. Go ahead. Keep rolling. Keep rolling. Let's keep rolling. <laughs> and, and it wasn't just that. He had her redo that scene over a hundred times. Yeah. she. she the, I knew about that. There was like, this movie is notorious. Shelly has said multiple times. I can't fucking know her. Uh, I, she has said, uh, I. the fact that I've never seen this movie, and I know that she was put through fucking hell at the film. She was treated terribly. She was treated terribly. Like, that would not fly in 2021. No, no. Um, And so she was treated terribly, and she, like, that's, like, it's such a huge part of the film as far as the history of the movie because everybody knows about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I did feel bad for her because I was like, man, she must have fucking hated it because I knew that. Like, I knew, like, like, I didn't know over 100 times, but I was like, I remember reading something about... Yeah, and and I'm sure that he used... 
you know, one, one of those, those later takes where she's just like exhausted mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, psychologically. And I personally think that that comes out in her performance where uh, she does do a good job of, you know, portraying this like uh, deferential, this demure woman, you know, uh, to, to a man who is abusive. We know that he's abusive to mm -hmm. Danny. Mm -hmm. uh and is more than likely abusive to her i mean fuck he tries to kill her right uh but he's up not up gonna until hurt her, he's not gonna hurt her. <laughs> he just wants to bash her fucking brains in right um i um i i i think that she does a really good job if, if the only other movie i think i've seen her in is popeye and and <laughs> olive oil is a totally different character right so say whatever you want about popeye which i love by the way but she plays olive oil very differently than she does wendy torrance i'm putting popeye on my picker wheel because <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking, fucking nightmare, nightmare. <laughs> that's a nightmare dude. i tried watching it like two years ago when fucking dave would have stopped talking about it and i went back and i put it up and me and vanessa i we couldn't get through 15 minutes it was like it was Fucking horrible. Dave still <laughs> by it. Dave still like he'll die in the hill, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I'll, 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 I'll die on that hill alone. Yeah. I'm dying on that hill alone. Not even uh, not, he, not not even Robin Williams or Shelley Duvall would fucking die. Let's see what else Shelley did. Shelley, uh, she did Popeye. She did. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I got it. All right. Yeah, you got it. You. you are She's done, she did a bunch of stuff. She hasn't done anything. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's retired now. She's 72. Yeah. She hasn't done anything since 2002. But even then, it it was not. It, this is all BC work. This is not. Yeah. Um, she was in an episode of Frasier. She was in a and, Steve Martin movie. Yeah, Andrew says she was also in that Steve Martin movie that I can't remember. And um, she was in Urban Commando. And Andrew says Popeye was god awful. You are awarded no po no points, Dave, and we're all stupider for hearing it. Right. Right. Put that comment up one more time. It's gonna be thanks, the Andrew. Be yeah, the, here we go. That's fine. I know. It's gonna be the this is gonna be the ad for the for the next uh, I, I think Andy found it. It was so oh um, yeah, when he plays Sandra Dervergiak. That's right. Uh, Roxanne is the name of that movie, um, and it's uh, like a modern take on Sandra Dervergiak. She oh, was in Time Bandits. Time Bandits. That's the one I just remembered. She was in Time there Bandits. She was in Time Bandits. Yeah. There we go. Um, so since we're on the topic of of Jack being um abusive there was one thing which i had never caught before and the only way to catch this is if you go frame by frame and stop it this is something that if you watch room 237 they go into uh the scene where jack has arrived with his family and uh it's his first day on the job and allman comes over to like shake his hand and you know start walking him around the property uh he's reading a magazine right and you can see what the magazine is if you stop at the exact moment, but it's a Playgirl magazine. And on the cover of this Playgirl magazine, but Jack is reading I, the Playgirl I, magazine. I Jack, see you, Jack. Yeah, Jack, Jack's reading Playgirl. On the cover of this Playgirl magazine is an article big old on, dick. on incest. So um, there's, 
you know, amongst the critics who have really gone into this movie, there's this belief that it's possible that Jack not only abused Danny physically, but also sexually. That's a big leap. It is. It is. It is, <laughs> it is, it is a big leap. However, if you know the way Kubrick works, that's the, that, sort, that's, that's, that's the sort fair. of thing that he would have been like, oh, let's let's put that in there. Yeah, but that's um, a, like just, that's like saying just because you're gay, you automatically fuck kids. No, but I mean, it, but I mean, no, he specifically chose a playgirl with an, a cover story about incest. With a cover story about incest. But even that, that means that okay, so even so, not only you're saying that just because you're gay or just because you're bisexual, whichever way you want to say it, then you like incest. And if you're bisexual and you like incest, because that could be your cousin, that could be your brother you're automatically taking the leap that it's going to be a child your child so like that's i'm I'm just saying that's a leap i'm not saying it's impossible it is it's no not, it, not, it, it, it is but it's, it's also hard. possible that kubrick just thought it would be funny to make jack nicholson sit in that lobby and look at dicks like, <laughs> <laughs> right. well look what he did to shelly duval was swinging a baseball <laughs> man this guy he, he did also play tricks like that with you know with with the camera and the scenery the first time that jack means Ullman in his office the moment that they shake hands there's a paper tray on the desk that Ullman comes right up next to and it turns into a boner yes it looks it looks like a boner coming right out of his pants hey. uh and and these are these are the sorts of you know little visual gags that that he would he would do he he did apparently meet with like admin right before he did uh this movie to to get into sort of like subliminal messaging and um uh like to to take symbolism to 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 a deeper level than he had before uh so okay. take take that for what it's worth and here he's just processing I'm just yeah. myself, he met with madman so clearly jack was fucking <laughs> a kid like what like that was just like i'm not i know that's not what you're saying but in my mind i'm just right. thinking like that's still a leap my question to you is this so when shelly turns the corner and she sees uh uh um groundskeeper willie on the on the floor <laughs> right and he's dead uh is it just me did he have his arm chopped off in that no no the it's just, there's just there's just like a lot more blood it's but just, i don't it's just the angle or whatever that i'm looking at because I when he was laying angle. on the floor it looked like his his left arm was chopped off from that angle and I and I and I had to rewind it and be like, wait, but he just we just saw the one stab to the chest. We didn't see um, the arm. So I was just asking if, if anybody knew about that. But all right. I've I, I've never seen it as his his hand getting chopped off. Um, the other really cool thing um, to do with like symbolism and like inconsistencies there, even though this doesn't take place in the actual hotel, but um, before we see Danny get a look at the overlook with the blood coming out, right? That he's brushing his teeth in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. The camera is uh, kind of panning in from his bedroom and it passes his bedroom door. There's a bunch of stickers on his bedroom door. Uh, one of which is a sticker of Dopey from the Seven Dwarfs. And um, when... The next time we see that door, which is when his mom and the doctor are leaving, the dopey sticker is gone. It's not there anymore. And these are the sorts of uh, like symbols that Kubrick would use to kind of get 
little points across to people where he's like, okay, well, he did not know, right? Dopey, right? Not knowing a lot. He did not know what was to happen at the Overlook, what to expect. And now he has seen, now he knows he's no longer Dopey. Man, I would love if Kubrick was still around, so I would love him to be like, no, it was just, uh, it was the, the the set director fucked up, and we and we just shot out our sequence. <laughs> I would love that type of shit to happen. We'd be like, and I'm not saying that's that's the case. I would just love for all these people to go super deep into it. And he's like, no, no, we just fucked up. We just shot that out of order, and then the fucking kid in between takes put a fucking extra sticker on it, <laughs> and then I, I didn't realize it until afterwards. Like, it's just like this could i don't know uh, uh that's all right dopey i guess uh there there are certain directors where i i think you know their continuity isn't really their thing and you'll find a lot of mistakes in there uh kubrick is not one of those guys ridley scott yeah yeah that, you know, that uh, I, 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 I just go back to that scene in, in gladiator where you see the fucking chariot hit the wall and you see the fucking co2 tank you're like nobody Nobody, <laughs> nobody saw this shit. There's a fucking giant CO2 tank that's clearly visible to it. All right, cool, man. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's there's uh there's a lot in here. Um, you know, as far as as directing, acting, cinematography, the set design, I think, is so so fantastic, and and kind of ties into that whole idea of, um, you know, this this place really is, you know, haunted by by the genocide. Of, yeah, and, and of what what the the white man did to, you know, the the Native American Indian. Well, and the 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 color schemes uh, in, in places, you know, like when you're talking about just just the set design and and how starkly different things will be, you know, and and, and it creates this mood change. You know, when he walks into two thirty seven, that room looks like nothing else that yeah. we've seen in the Overlook. Then he pushes There's open the, and yeah, and then he pushes open that bathroom door, and it's it's an even deeper green. It's like you're getting closer to the sickness that that is at the heart of this hotel and you're you're getting into something that's not like anywhere else yeah yeah absolutely um man you were saying something and i had a thought and it was a good one and then (laughs) and then i was like oh i'll let him finish and then i forgot (laughs) uh yeah. Okay. Uh, I I didn't think I wanted to see more of the hotel. Like we we got to see something. You know what I mean? Like we're in in the beginning, we're told that like we're told that the hotel is a super huge thing, and we only saw a certain. And I get it, budgetary or whatever. But it just seemed like we only saw three or four places. We saw the kitchen. We saw the the ballroom. Um, and then we saw their bedroom. And kind of it in the hallways, I guess, in between. Yeah, the, the grand well, hall. There, there, there were different hallways, right? The Colorado Lounge. Colorado Lounge. There we go. That that's one hell of a set, man. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested in knowing what happened. Like, I really would like to know what happened in that movie that I watched. <laughs> like, I'm really interested <laughs> in knowing. I want to know about Lloyd, and I want to know about like what happened. I I want to know. Like, I want to that, that that's I, I well, want to. Dick, it, Dick kind of says. Dick kind of says, um, he doesn't kind of say, he comes right out and says that um, when bad things happen, they have a way of leaving something behind. And that a lot of things have happened at the Overlook and not all of them have been good. So I think it's, I think it's one of those things where because it started out with a very dark history, right? Um 
it has only continued. And this this is, um, you know, maybe the the Native Americans trying to, you know, get get revenge, you know, get get back at the the injustice. You know, so so this this place is is cursed. Okay, but like, I mean, so was he at the party, and then the and then he just stayed at the party, or did he die, and then his soul reincarnated so that he had to live in this thing? We had to like re- go back to the Overbrook every lifetime. Like, how, like I'm, I'm, I'm. If if you're asking me for my interpretation, I'm asking I, anybody. I thought anybody would know. <laughs> Apparently, nobody knows for sure. Is well, that what you're saying? Yeah, no, no one really knows for okay. sure, and and that's why I said that anyone who tells you, "Hey, I know what Stanley Kubrick was doing, and and exactly what he meant, and this is it," that person is selling you something. And and um, like you're saying, is it is it a thing where where this 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 spirit this this shine that's left, um, it, it is is always ha- always has to return. That plays into the you've always been the caretaker. Maybe that you know there was a time when you looked like me, like I you, you looked Andrew, like me. Andrew just asked a question now. Yeah, he and, and it's uh you know it's the same question. This is not an uncommon question. Is the movie like a constant retelling of it? like a ghost residual. Um, and I, I, I think that that is kind of what it is, is that, you know, people are doomed to repeat history. Right. Um, and that is kind of what's going on, right. It's what happened with Grady is almost what happens with, uh, with, with the Torrances. And when someone dies, in the overlook because of its bloody past because of this you know call it magic call it mysticism whatever you want call um, it fate that, call it karma yeah wh- whatever you, you become <laughs> you become a part of its bloody history and and history um it, it's like like dick tells danny it's it, it's not real right it's like pages in a book so you it's it, it all just blends together. Right. Um, especially for someone who doesn't know that history. Right. Um, the other day, my son asked me, uh, he goes, hey, were the, were the dinosaurs alive in, in the 1910s? I'm like, kid, the dinosaurs were alive 65 million years ago. And he was like, so not in the 1910s. And I'm like, no, not in the 1910s. <laughs> You know, and and I've I've got a pretty smart kid, but it's the sort of thing where like time doesn't exactly make sense when when you don't exactly under when you don't know time, when you haven't studied these things. Right. And so he becomes a part of this history that is all just pages in a book of the overlook. I, at least that's the way that I've always interpreted the movie. I don't know if that makes any sense. Andrew says, uh, right. Andrew Harlman, compare- just, just it's a different Andrew. Than we oh, it is um, a different Andrew. Well, I, I, I call uh, Andrew Chacon Andy and Andrew Harriman Andrew. Um, uh, so Andrew says, and seems like the caretaker is aware and is constantly trying to change it, especially Danny. Hmm, interesting. Well, and especially if you've seen um, 
Dr. Sleep, Dr. Sleep. That, kind of, that kind of plays into it as well without giving away any Do they spoilers. explain more of what the, the Shinin is in... Uh... Yes. It's, uh, it's a bigger... It's uh, the, the Shining is actually a bigger part of Dr. Sleep than it is of The Shining. Yeah. Yeah, and then do they explain <laughs> the fucking... Uh, I no, mean, that's, that, that's, 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 just, that's just Tony. Okay. Uh, Andy, Andy Chacon says, I've always wondered if there's a connection between 237 and 1408. Um, possibly 1408 is another great one. Put it on the wheel. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Um, okay. So we've, we've kind of touched upon a couple of these things here. So Neri, you said you didn't find it. Uh, this was going to be our second thing. Um, but like the overlook, we're constantly changing and keeping yeah. you uncomfortable. Uh, so the the shining is a horror movie. Uh, so a, a lot of different websites, um, magazines, whatever you 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 want, publication. Uh, call this one of the scariest movies ever made. Do do you think that it? Do you think it's effective as a as a scary movie, as a horror movie? Listen, man. The reason I'm on this podcast, <clears throat> I would like to think, uh, well, I would like to think it's because uh, I bring comedy to it. But realistically, I know it's because I'm a pussy and I get scared at things uh, <laughs> through the audience. And I have no problems in saying this. Like this is there. I know there's like a thing that men have, you know, stereotypically men don't like to acknowledge of their their fears or whatever. I am afraid of horror, horror movies work on me like they work on me. I have nightmares. I have to watch them during the daytime if I do watch them. Um, and I never would watch them if it was not for the fact that I'm doing a podcast with my friends. So, uh, and then I, I like usually have to watch a Disney, go to sleep watching Disney movies. Have, you know what I mean? Like they're, they work on me. This I'm, I'm the fucking prime target for horror movies because I'm the guy that gets scared. With that said, I could watch this shit at three o'clock in the morning. I could watch this shit at midnight and I'll be fine. The, the most daunting and the only scary thing about this movie is the score. And it was brilliant and it was amazing, but this movie is not scary at all whatsoever. Interesting. I give that interesting. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, whatever. Like confusing, convoluted, but not scary. I don't think that I mean if if it doesn't scare me, brother, I don't know who the fuck this scares because I'm the I'm not only a car carrying member of the pussy organization, I am the fucking I am on the console, bro, of like just being scared of shit. Like I'm scared as fuck um rosemary's baby had had me scared at moments and that's not you know what i mean like we talked about some people find it more of a thriller than in a horror movie but I, this movie wasn't scary to me so that's your answer i view this movie uh as as a horror art piece which you know you you kind of you you look at things from from when you're looking at Stanley Kubrick movies like that's the lens that that you look through and it was something that I, that I can't that's one of the reasons I came to appreciate it when I got older because but I wasn't question, watching it. The question is is they they say it's a that's one of the scariest movies right and that's that's what, that's what I was getting to that's what okay. I was getting to okay and so so when I talk N about Mary likes his answers immediately no I just because he and, was and in very truncated sentences yeah he was drifting off into this art piece thing and I'm like I'm no but we're asking no. is it scary right so what so what I'm saying is when when viewed through that lens I said earlier I think it deserves its place in in the 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 great horror movie pantheon as far as being scary as a kid yeah. 
Like there were parts of it that were scarier, right? And and now I, it's 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 unnerving. Like you said, it's interesting. I love to watch it, but it's I, I, it's not one of the scarier ones. I, I will absolutely agree with you on that. Like it's it, you can I I can I can understand watching it and being scared, but it's one that I've never understood the idea of calling this the scariest horror movie of all time. Because while there are scares and when, while while things are frightening. It, it's not that scary. Right. Um, you know, I, I kind of have to agree. I think that this is um, a movie that is filled with um, horror atmosphere. Um, I think it has a uh, an almost... Um, like modern gothic feel to it. Um, if you if you take the overlook as um, like you know Dracula's castle or or something like that, um, the the horror in in those those old you know Dracula and Frankenstein movies wasn't in the um, the action. It was in the atmosphere. And and I think that that's something that um, that Kubrick did. It, it, he he managed to instill fear not because of what the characters were doing, but because of what was what the setting was right. Uh, and this is actually something that I think um, recently we can all relate to a little more because of. Uh, of the COVID pandemic being locked in our houses, right? How many of us have heard people say, I can't take this, you know, and, and I've got to get out of my house. This idea that if you are unwell, that it, it being locked with your family is more than just being locked with your family, but it's being locked in with your demons. Right. Yes. Um, I think that there's a lot of horror to be found in this movie, although it isn't on the surface. It's not horror in the way that like, uh, okay, so, you know, you, you were used for a satanic ritual and your baby is now, uh, you know, the Antichrist or, um, or even, you know, someone is, is using, uh, you know, a, a, a compact with the devil to to make their town better than yours you know or at, or at the price of yours you know to go back to fear street um this this is a horror that um not only invites you but begs you to go deeper to to look at what is going on beneath the surface we've seen men wielding axes in horror movies before it's nothing new why is this scary then is because of the subtext i think okay what you're describing dave i agree with all of it but what you're describing is not horror what you're describing is a thriller a psychological thriller to be exact yeah and you know i don't know that stanley kubrick ever called the shining a horror movie Um, that's what i would say like what like mm -hmm. like there are psychological thrillers this is right up my alley. Remember, we talked about this off air previously for over two years. Every time it came down to me picking a movie, 
uh, a horror movie, it, it turned out that most of the quote-unquote horror movies that I like are more psychological thrillers, are categorized under the, the more psychological thrillers. Whether or not you consider those still horror movie or not, that's, you know, every subjective. But um, what you're describing to me, like, I, every, everything you just said, I completely agree with. Like, you got to go deeper. It's like one of those mental things. The, you know, the um, example of COVID and, and the quarantining, I agree with all of that. I just, um, uh, except the fact that we have Zoom. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, I just think that that's, that that's not a horror movie to me. Is it, is it scary? Is it tenseful? Yeah. It's suspenseful, but I, it's not scary, but you know, I'm again, I don't want to feel like I'm bashing the movie cause I'm just, like, no, I, I don't, I don't think you are. Um, and you're not alone. Um, when, when I told, uh, my wife, Stephanie, that, uh, you had picked the shining, um, she told me, she was like, Oh, this will finally be a movie that Neri will get through without being scared. She doesn't think that the shining is, is a scary movie. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, to, to, to each his own, uh, Andy Chacon says it's scary to me. Like Jacob, Jacob's ladder is scary. Despite that, it's still, a cinematic masterpiece. J the 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 and maybe we'll do Jacob Flatter at some point. But Jacob Flatter is is the the idea of never knowing what's going on and just being uncomfortable like to the next level. Jake, mm, Tim, like I can never I I've never been able to see Tim Robbins the same since I saw Jacob Flatter. <laughs> Um, that's kind of, I've, I've actually never seen Jacob's ladder. It's, I've, I saw um, it as a kid and it terrified the fuck out of me, but I didn't know what I was watching. I didn't like, I didn't know the story. I just saw the imagery was watch really, it. Now you won't know what you're watching. That's yeah, that's what I'm watching now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, I'm just way, saying like way, being, there, being there grown are, doesn't make Jacob flatter easier to understand. By the way, there are some movies that uh as much as i love you guys i'm not watching in this podcast ever like i'm just putting that out there like you know what i mean and i'll be more than happy to step away and let you let somebody else step in for that episode or hopefully when i'm on a ship you guys but i'm i'm never watching uh serpent in the rainbow ever like, I, oh, I, I was I'm, i was about to say uh serpent in the rainbow changed the way i see bill pullman <laughs> never am i i'm like i i saw i've saw that movie like once or twice when i was a kid because my older brothers would watch it and uh yeah I have nightmares about the nightmares that I had then. So Neri won't watch a Serbian. Yeah, film. whenever you guys have a meeting and be like, "Hey, how can we how, how can we slowly weed Neri off the podcast and just like have him just keep picking Jacob's Ladder and fucking and then Serpent in the Rainbow and then like, oh, why doesn't Neri come around anymore? That's why. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay, so we we've kind of touched upon in some way or another. I mean. Is it scary? Not in the conventional way. Does it scare you? Most of us said no. Um, uh, Andrew or Andy Chacon says, will Neri watch The Believers? I like the fact that he puts my name in caps now just so that he doesn't get autocorrected back to Bert. To Bert. <laughs> <laughs> like, will Neri uh, watch them? I don't know The Believers. I've never seen never heard of it so i, I guess i'll watch yeah, it I, i'm not sure what that is um so we talked about direction cinematography set design acting uh we talked about score um a little bit i really do think that this the score is just unbelievable yeah that that score is really good man 
I mean, I, you know, me, me, Dave, and I share a love of a passion for score for movie scores, and uh, this this score is, is legit. Do doing Geek More, listening to Geek More before I was on it, like you guys inspired me to start paying more attention to to scores. And since I've been friends with y'all, I have I've spent a lot more time noticing the subtlety of score. You know, like I, I've always I've always been. You know, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I know score is score is the building of the music before the jump scare. You know, like that was my my understanding of score. But you guys have really taught me to understand the the the, the like I said, just the, the subtlety of score and how absolutely important it is and like you said neary this movie i mean from the jump you were like oh yo fuck this yeah like, I, you, I, said, I, you sent us the title card I and we're like yo fuck this I'm movie like, i'm already scared of the title card fuck this movie like i thought i was gonna be like shitting my pants and and that's- that uh that that music by the way uh and this is something that kubrick does often where he will incorporate um like previously written music into the score uh, which he did uh, very famously and effectively, I think, in 2001, A Space Odyssey. Um, but that that opening musical number is um, is called uh, Dies Irae, mm-hmm. which is often played in the funeral requiem mass. So uh, it opens with death music. <laughs> so there's there's a yeah. reason why why it like gets under your skin. And, and and just stays there and and won't let go as you're like sweeping through this uh this mountainside you you feel almost like a like a like a ghost you know following this car um at least that's how I've always felt you know I I, I didn't feel like I was along for a helicopter ride I didn't feel oh it wasn't uh, a drone <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel like a bird. I didn't feel like, you know, anything. I, 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 it felt ghostly to me. Robert and uh, Facebook posted a uh, link that he says that if you watch the video, you'll see the movie differently. Unfortunately, we can't watch the video link uh, at the moment through the program that we use to run it. So we have to take your word for it to watch it later, Robert, just FYI. Mm-hmm. But there's a link. If you are listening to this on the audio version, go back to the Facebook page and on the Facebook page that of this episode, uh, look for the link that Robert Hernandez has posted. He that's he's claiming that the video would change the way we look at the movie, or at least I'm sure he's talking to me. Um, there, sorry. There's also um, a claim that if you watch the movie both forwards and backwards. At the same time, it does kind of add One some, with each eye. Yeah, <laughs> no, you can you can like open them. You have to do this with a projector. Like it has to be done with 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 an old school, like a, you know, like a 35 millimeter or, a you know, a, a 70 millimeter projector or whatever. And um, wow, that was really creepy. I looked over and my son was standing right there and I had no idea he was there. So, um, I he'd be like, hi, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's not here now, Mr. Uyola. <laughs> uh. So, um, you, you can, you can actually see images like overlay with each other perfectly. And, and it adds like some more context to the things that, uh, that you're seeing that, that, previously you wouldn't have seen it one of the ones that struck out at me was uh like when the grady twins are on the floor and they're all you know bloody and you know hacked to pieces um 
it overlays with Jack Torrance's face and there's the markings of the blood on the wall kind of like drip down from his eyes. And like, it, it's like so perfectly placed. It's, it's like odd. It's really odd. Look, I, I know, that- I know that we're men who have multiple podcasts where we like spend time to do something and then spend an equal amount of time just talking about it. But some people have way too much fucking time on there. Yeah, yeah I, I would never have thought to do that. I but will never I was, do it. I was about to say, I'm like, I feel as if Stanley Kubrick is playing like the ultimate prank on us. Like he's really making motherfuckers like it'd be hilarious if he was just like, nah, I just wanted to see how fucking how how deep people are willing to fucking search for a meaning that's not there. Like I really mm-hmm. and I, there's part of me that's also wondering do we have to be on the drugs that Stanley was on in order to be on the same page? Like this, it feels like, you know what I mean? It's like when people, and I've had people tell me this, like, oh, bro, the thing with the EDM music is you have to listen to it while you're on fucking drugs. And I'm like, what? I ha- That's how I have to listen to it? <laughs> like, I have to? Like, no, you won't get it if you're not on drugs. I'm like, then I don't think that's a good, like, I'm like, you know what I mean? So I wonder if that's a thing because this, you know, he made, he's been making movies since the 50s and went through the 60s and 70s where there was like drugs were fucking rampant. Uh, and like, uh, not that they're not now, I'm just saying, like, I wonder if he made movies where like this is well, and I, I and there, you're saying like you, you wish that he could be, you know, that she could be, so he could be alive, so he could be like, no, I just, I just wanted, I, I thought it was weird, or I, I know that, yeah, like, uh, what's his name? Um, what's his name? Uh, fucking the guy that Jim Carrey played, god damn it, fire marshal bill, <laughs> Andrew <That's>, Kaufman. <laughs> I wonder if he's yeah. doing a Kaufman and he's just like, this is just, it was just funny to see all these, right? Like, like to him, this is the ultimate joke to see people putting the movie on backwards and forwards like that's who him is like this is hilarious well it's like there are people there are people who think that the reason danny wears the apollo the apollo 11 sweater is because part of this movie was stanley kubrick stating that he helped stage the moon landing on a on a sound stage and we never went i honestly this is what so 79 that's 10 years after the moon landing 69 apollo 11 was 1969 was 68 68 so 10 11 years um afterwards I like to think that he just knew that people thought that he might have been a part of that and that he was like, oh, watch these fuckers. And like, yeah, and he's like, yeah Apollo 11 was, sweater. It, Let's it go. It was 69. You're right. It was 69. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I, and then um, we're going to put a dopey sticker in the door and fuck everybody <laughs> up. Like, it's, it's like, what? Like, I, just, I, I would love for him to be like, we're just going to fuck everybody up with a dopey sticker. Like, that's all it takes. And he's like, I. But he's one of those guys. He's one of those super artistic filmmakers where, like, you know, what I call artsy fartsy. And yeah. it's one of those guys where anything he makes gets overly examined and over, like, it's just, it's going to be examined. And, you know, I would love for that to be the case. There there was a time when his movies were um, more um, leaning towards movie than than art. Uh, there's there's one in particular that comes to mind, which I actually think um, you you would really like, Neri, called The Killing, uh, which is a heist movie. And uh, you can definitely see the influence of that movie on like Reservoir Dogs and mm-hmm. um, and the the you know, the really famous heist movies that followed. Um, I mean, there's there's no denying, I think, the the guy's a genius, you know, whether whether you're looking at his his cinematography, his filmmaking skills, um, or his, you know, ability to understand that people overanalyze things. So and, like so, and troll so, them. 
Where, where's where's the shift there? Is it like around Lolita, Doctor Strangelove? Is that the is that like where the the shift started to be made into these movies that were more than just a movie? I I think um, the subject matter of Lolita kind of prompted that, right? Um, and then certainly by the time you get to um, A Clockwork Orange. You're, yeah. you're 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 getting to to that and and then you have um you know 2001 a space odyssey which is my personal favorite uh to, to me that that movie is it's it is moving art okay so in the okay so 2001 a space odyssey would that not be as much a horror movie as this one there are certain elements of horror in it. Yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't deny that. I wouldn't I call it as much of a horror movie as this. I would I say think, that this is a horror movie, whereas two thousand one is a sci fi film with elements of horror. Okay, well, so I, I think both of them are psychological thrillers, and the only difference between uh, The Shining and two thousand one Space Odyssey is the amount of blood in the movie. I think that's the only difference. Okay. Fair. Because they're both psychological thrillers. They're both like, what, what yeah. would man do in these situations? What happens to a man's mind? Yeah, you know, they all explore those themes. You're not, you're not wrong. Um, you're not wrong. So, all right. And that's that's kind of the beauty of his movies. I think is that you know it's it's more than just um, you know a popcorn fair. You know, you're not just going to sit back and um, you know munch on some popcorn and then casually talk about what your favorite scene in the movie was uh it, it his movies do invite you to sit down and actually think about them and discuss them the way that we're doing now we've basically gone off script for an hour and 20 minutes just leading naturally from one thing to the next and and i think that if that's if that wasn't his intention um I, I don't know what was. I'm pretty sure he intended people to talk about this on a podcast when he made this movie. <laughs> sure He's like, I'm making this movie so people could talk about it on a podcast. That's what I mean. Why else would I make a film? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's the, what's the rating system? Uh, are, are we going to do uh, Big Wheels? Dopey stickers? You want to do Missing Dopey stickers? Uh, <laughs> the racism is going to be missing dopey, like I'm missing, <laughs> missing dopey stickers. I or, like it. Uh, how about bloody elevators? Okay, you could do an axe, but whatever. Or, 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 or snow cat. How many snow cats would you give it? Uh, I don't know, whatever, whichever one you want, but yeah. Uh, um, how, how many bloody dick hollerins? Uh, bloody dick. Frozen hedge mazes. Yeah. Uh, can I be honest with you? That scene of him frozen was ruined by the gif of him being frozen. I get it. That's, that's a super famous gif. And I was like, yeah. oh, I've seen this before. Like, I, I like, I, I, I hate the fact that he cut to it too quickly, I think. In a man who apparently makes long dissolves. He just cut to it real quick. He didn't do any time lapse of like from night to morning. Then it was a real quick cut. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Lazy. Uh I I I don't I think I think missing dopey stickers is the funniest one, honestly. Yeah. Of All them. right. Yeah, okay. No so uh Neri, how many missing dopey stickers do you give this out of five? I give this uh 
three missing dopey stickers. That is more than I thought. I, I gotta be honest with uh, you, it's only that high. I don't want to get it's uh, it's only that high because I don't want to get shitted on again because I, I gave three to Rosemary's Baby, which I <laughs> now changed and corrected to four. I thought about the Rosemary's Baby one for the listener. If you had to know what I'm talking about, I had originally given three to Rosemary's Baby. Three and, and a half. Two, did I three and a half? Yeah. And it was only strictly because of the lat the very last shot of that film. And then I thought about it and I was like, you're giving, you're taking away a star and a half for one fucking shot. Jesus Christ. Like that's very. And so I've changed my mind in four. I think four is uh Rosemary's baby. Um, Yeah, no, this is, there's a lot of things I like about this movie. There's a lot of things. I'm very interested in what's I like. I, I'm interested in what's not shown. I'm interested in what the story is about the party. Uh, Like she walked into a room full of skeletons. I'm very interested in that. Very interested in why he put furries in the fucking movie. Like, I'm very interested. They didn't even chase her. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't even like, who did it, no, it was, made just, just that long eye contact. Yeah, just that long eye contact. Like, I'm, I'm trying to suck dick, lady. Do you mind? Like, it was really, like, are, you, are you joining? Yeah, I was like, uh, you, you can't wear that if you're joining us. You need to be, you know, get the bear rug from downstairs or something. Uh, but I, I, so there's a lot of interesting things. I'm very interested in the butler. I'm very interested in, in Lloyd. There's a lot of things that I'm interested, in, but we didn't get to see more of. Like that's, the, you know what I mean? It's kind of like mm-hmm. I give the example of like uh, Dirty Dancing. When you watch Dirty Dancing, and you're like, oh, this is a story of it's a you know a dance competition or not even a competition. It's just a dance. It's just a dance. <laughs> it's just a da- It's just like a, a talent show is what it is. It's not <laughs> even a competition. There's no trophy at the end. Um, and, but in the beginning of Dirty Dancing, you find out that the girl can't. Da- the original dancer can dance because she. Uh, for the lack of a better phrase, she got sexually assaulted and she got uh, she got uh, she's having a baby and she has to get it aborted. And then we move away from that story. And as a viewer, I'm like, no, look, let's keep go- keep going with that story. That's a fucking interesting story. Let's see where that takes us. I don't want I don't give a fuck about this talent show. I don't give a shit about that. That's kind of how I feel about the shining. I'm like, can we just stick to the fucking Lloyd and the party and, and, the, and the what's his name? Mr. Grant. What's his name? Grady. Grady. Can we just take, like, I'm very interested in what's happening here. So I, I, if I go lower, I think it would be unjust because there was a lot of interesting things in this movie. I just wanted more of them and not what I got. Um, And I get why he said, here's Johnny because of Johnny Carlson, right? Wouldn't it have been better to make the character's name Johnny or maybe him say, here's Jack. I mean, like, wouldn't that make more sense? Because he's uh, introducing himself, not Johnny Carlson. Well, I mean, it was it was him doing Johnny Carson. It, it it would be like doing an impression of Arnold Schwarzenegger and like instead of saying like I'll be back using like someone else's I will like, return catchphrase. Uh yeah. no, but I'm just saying like if he's gonna like the point of saying like I'll he, be here next I'll be here next Tuesday to order the Reuben. Uh I, it, it doesn't uh <laughs> I, I if he's gonna say he like he's he, like, he literally knocked down the door and he's like saying here I am and so if he's saying here I am wouldn't it make like a hurricane? I think I think it's just like I think he said just, it twice. They could have just changed the name of the character to Johnny. Wouldn't that make I mean no I um no nah, I would have hated that. It doesn't it doesn't fit it doesn't fit neatly. On a page, I'll work into play makes Johnny man. It's too oh, much. Can I just tell you? I looked at that. So I was looking at that scene, right? Again, another scene that was ruined to me because I was forty years late watching this movie. Um, like so, I'm looking at that scene. And I was, I was very curious. This is so dumb of me, but I'm very curious as to why in the very first page, 
it's the same amount of words, right? But some sentences are longer than the other. Because there's a lot, there's a lot of typos. There's and there's a lot of go backs. Like when you look, there there are a lot of typos. Like Jack will be spelled incorrectly, or, oh, or there, there's a lot of typos because it's like a first the, draft. I just noticed the length of the. Yeah, there 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 are typos. My, my favorite thing about that scene, and I guess that's something we skipped over, but just just real quickly, is the fact that when he when she flips through that, it's not just blocks of the Correct. same sentence yeah. over and over again. It's actually written like a book, and there's like artistic, yeah. like like you're yeah. reading like House yeah. of Leaves, where like things are shaped and I stuff like was, that. I thought it was great. Also, I thought, poor fucking bastard assistant who has to type all that shit up. Because that was not <laughs> Xerox copies. Those were not Xerox copies. Those were fucking no. typed. And yeah. poor a fucking assistant, a fucking just that dude just typing. Just some PA stuff. that that was his only yeah. job. And I'm sure that had to be a team. And then they had to give him that direction. Do not just type it over and over exactly the same way. It has to have typos. Spacing's going to be different. different. Yeah. You know. Alignment has to be yeah. different. I feel bad for those motherfuckers running. I mean, that's not. I'm in the movie business. What'd you do? Remember that scene where you just said I typed all that shit out. I typed all that shit out. That was, that's, my, <laughs> that's my contribution to cinematic history. Um, yeah. So, uh, what did you give it, uh, Debona? Um, I I I give this four and a half. I, I love this. I, I think that this movie is absolutely incredible. But like I said, I do have my gripes. I see what you guys are saying uh, about some of the acting and stuff like that. But some of it is just stuff that I just cannot get over. And Shelley Duvall is really just such a big part of that. It's so funny that you're the reason you don't give it five stars is because of the acting, and the reason I didn't go lower than three. <laughs> I thought the acting was great. Like that's how. I'm like, no, the acting saved this fucking movie for me. And you're like, this. Shit. Yeah. No, like I, I seriously look at this movie as a testament to what a great director can do with actors who are just going to kind of do what they do. Um, uh, uh, so I, I, I do give this one four and a half. It is, it is, it is not a five for me, but I do love it, and I think it's, I think it's a great, great movie. Um, I, I gotta go five with this. This is a movie where every time I watch it, um, I, I enjoy it more and more. Uh, the what fact, did you give Rosemary's Baby, Dave, five, five, yeah. <laughs> just um I'm, I'm interested in knowing which classic horror movie you don't give a five to like i'm very interested in knowing which classic you won't we, give a five we to. haven't we haven't done it but if we go all the way back to the original dracula that doesn't get a five it's gonna get a seven yeah that's, <laughs> that's, that's gonna get, it's five plus ten it gets a 15. uh no like i'm just like uh within the modern era i guess 40 years ago still a long time but like that's you know what i mean I, i'm interested in knowing but because yeah yeah even a halloween you gave that one a five right um the original halloween the original halloween i would give a five halloween two i mean we did it get a we, four we, we did it we did it on on the earlier episodes it's on shiver you can check yeah it out. it's it's somewhere there um you can have um, to shiverpod.com yeah yeah <laughs> uh and, and andy chacon says 11. <laughs> turned it up uh, to 11. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I, I would give it five missing dopey stickers. Okay. That's uh five, five out of five for me. I, I, I love this movie. I, I still haven't completely decoded it. I don't know that anyone ever will. And that's part of why I'm giving it a five because I, I continually have the desire to go back and watch this movie and, and rediscover things and discover things I haven't yet. Um, it's to, to me, it's, um, I don't know. It's a it's a masterpiece. It's a work of art. The, so so the average so the average that average is out to four point one missing dopey stickers. Oh yeah, I was doing the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's not bad. 
that's not bad. Four point one. Um, so that's that's pretty good. So ironic, uh, if, you, four... if you take away the acting of this movie, it both hurts and helps. <laughs> <laughs> it, it remains at 4.1. Okay, so, Neri, do you have that picker? Yeah, yeah, I have the picker. Oh, you got a list ready? You going to use the picker? Yeah, I, no, yeah, I, it, I, it's, I, all right. Yeah, all right. yeah uh, I, 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 made, I made my picker list. Okay, I made my on. picker list. Now, some of these I have multiples in that. You know, yeah, yeah, you gotta category. You gotta so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me know Let's when you're see ready. See how ahead. I feel. All right, go ahead. Let's do this. So next week we will be doing. Hello. Supernatural. Ooh. Supernatural. All Those right. Ordinary steps away. All right. Uh... So. <laughs> This is out of all, out of all of the, the, the anything religious. Those are the ones that really fuck me up. As far as oh. fear is concerned, those are the ones that like the the omen was was fucking brutal for me. Uh, the, I got at least uh, one on my the, list. The, the Exorcist was fucking destroyed me. Uh, as a grown man, I saw The Exorcist for the first time when I was like twenty five in the re release in theaters, and that fucked me up for real. Like I. <laughs> That was episode number one. Yeah. Of Shiver all, yeah. all the way back in 2017. For those yeah. of you that are interested. By the way, the 2017 the the episode one of Shiver was not the first time I watched the movie. I'm just I don't want to make it too much. <laughs> no, 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 no. Old. I'm just saying that uh, we we have done the Exorcist. Yeah. We we yeah. may do it again. No. Um, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So I had two possibilities here. I had either Evil Dead. But Just I think I'm gonna... dead. you've been wanting to do evil. No, 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 no. Because of what you just said, we're going to go with a different one. My second one, which is the conjuring. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm down to, so, I'm down to watch conjuring. Uh, I, I, well, we'll talk about the conjuring next week <laughs> or next episode. We don't know when next week is going to be. Uh, yeah. Well, next, next episode, uh-huh. we'll, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. So um, thank you so very much for joining us here, uh, especially to Andrew and to, to Andy, to uh, to Robert. Uh, did anyone else come in here? Well, it looks like just those three guys. Thanks for joining us. It was nice having you here. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you, Andrew. He says, great show. I, I appreciate that. Um, so please make sure that you follow us on social media. You can find Nary. Um, on on Instagram, Twitter, uh, what what was his name? Dot com. Uh, you can find him and Daniel right on the uh, Mount Geekmore podcast, along with myself. Uh, there's a whole bunch of podcasts you can find on our uh, on our network, the uh, the Geek Bro Network, which you can uh, find at geekbro.net. Right, uh, you've got What's Up, Bro? Better let me tell you. Comedy Fitness is apparently coming back, right? Yes. Um, we've got a dose of Ellie, Childlike I Best. Um, I know Seasons, a TV podcast. Seasons, yes. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna get it. I'm going to get it. Seasons, <laughs> a TV podcast. Uh, am I missing anything? Uh, let's see. Uh, Woobro. Uh, Childlike I uh, Best. Childlike I Best, he said, with Mike Valdez. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, better let me tell you. I think you got them all. Seasons. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, there you go. All right. I didn't... Uh, make sure to check out the Shiver Pod uh, Instagram and social media because mm-hmm. that's where we post when uh, we're going to be recording next. Uh, because of our schedules, we're not it, we can't make this. And originally, the original concept was supposed to be a monthly podcast. We've now done three episodes <laughs> in two weeks <laughs> or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. So we're overshooting ourselves, but just so that you guys know, keep us on live. And if you're listening to this audio, which most of you do, we still get more numbers on the audio than we do video. Just know you could watch us live and you could comment like Andrew and Andy and Robert have uh, on uh, Facebook and YouTube. Go to ShiverPod. Everything is ShiverPod. Instagram, everything is ShiverPod. P-O-D. Yep. And if you uh, if you want to send us some hate mail, you can send it to shiverpod at gmail.com. You know what we should add to the picker wheel is a uh, listener pick. And like if you mm. suggest movies, we'll put that on the listener pick category. And that's another category that we should add to the to the to the thing. So yeah, we, uh, I I do seem to remember Andrew. Uh, or Andy rather uh, asking me if we could do poultry geist uh, a couple years ago. So maybe oh. we can, uh, we can add that. <laughs> All right. Well, Andy doesn't want an area on the podcast. All right. That's fine. Uh, thanks a lot. Not, 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 pol- not poltergeist, poultry geist, poultry geist, the, uh, the, the trauma film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is it really, is there a poultry geist? Is that a real? Yeah. Yeah. I think you were just saying it because of the way I said shinning, I was like, Oh, oh no, I it's, it's a Lloyd no. Kaufman baby. Yep, I did the not one know. And, the one and only. All right. Uh, although I would like to do uh, Poltergeist. Yeah. At at some point. Okay. So, I I think I have that on my or, list here. Next, somewhere. we're gonna watch The Conjuring. Correct. Yes. The Conjuring. That's it. All right. Figured finally doing something you know a little new. Getting well, we did Fear Street. So anyway, all right, folks, fright you very much.